Ready? Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Let me try that again. <laughs> Ready? That okay. was terrible. Yeah. Okay. Warning. The following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Cues. Hello and welcome to Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Liz, and I have another banger for you this week as I've lined up the amazing stylings of two fabulous guests who have lived the teenage girl experience alongside me. Well, not with me. Regardless, they are awesome. They are here. Hello, Emily. Hello. Thank you for letting me come in and talk about this movie that is near and dear to my heart. You are very welcome. And also, hello, Ashley. What's up, ladies? I'm so excited to chat with you. You guys are my favorite girls. Yeah. We always have a good time. Yes. So uh, this week we are reviewing the movie Bring It On which is from the year 2000, and it was, let's see, it was directed by Peyton Reed and written by Jessica Bendiger. It stars some familiar names. We've got Kirsten Dunst as Terrence Shipman, Eliza Dushku as Missy Pantone, Pantone, uh, <laughs> Jesse Bradford <laughs> as Cliff Pantone, uh, Gabrielle Union as Isis, Claire Kramer as Courtney, Nicole Bilderbeck as Whitney, and obviously a whole bunch of extra people for the rest of the cast. Scores are lower than I expected. 6.1 out of 10 from IMDb, 65% from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, yeah. So um, who watched it last? Who wants to give us the plot of this fabulous film? I watched it Sunday. Like last week? I watched it Yeah, today. like last week, like a week ago, basically. Did you just say I today? I watched it today. Yes. Yes. Plot away. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Kirsten Dunst is the head of a cheerleading squad. It's her last year. She's the captain now. She wants to go into final. She wants to bring her teammates and win the trophy. But she finds out that they have been stealing their cheers from the rival Clovers led by Gabrielle Union. And so now they have to step up and find out a new way to compete that uh, has a little more integrity while also dealing with all of the drama of being in high school. You always do such a good job. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> Top notch. Much better than Sam. <laughs> Sam just waffles. Much but better he does than that I on purpose. <laughs> Probably true. All right. So the way we do this podcast, if you haven't heard us before, is that we essentially ask 20 when wonderful questions, as I said. Um, the first 10 can apply to any movie. Then we each ask a set of three personal questions that we've come up with while watching the movie. And then we close on a Patreon question this week. Um, and we start with a compliment sandwich. So we can give one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good. Or if you want to give it a hyperbole sandwich, one thing good, one thing great, one thing good. Or if you want to give it a shit sandwich, one thing good, one thing no, one thing bad, one thing good, one thing bad, and I'm just losing the plot here, so someone should just <laughs> give some compliments and or shit, I don't know. Um, <laughs> how about Ash? Why don't you start us off? All right, so I am giving it a compliment sandwich. My first good thing is that this movie is genuinely a fun time with lead and supporting actors that you or characters that you want to root for and are pretty well developed for a 2000s teen comedy. My bad thing. There are lots of problematic moments throughout the movie that significantly lessened my enjoyment of the film. And then my last good thing was the final competition routines for both teams, the Clovers and the Toros, were genuinely awesome. A-W-E-S-O-M-E, awesome, totally. 
<laughs> I got that this time. Oh, and then um, what are what is our measuring system for our rating? Pom poms, spirit sticks. I was gonna say pom spirit sticks. Yes, I am giving this movie a flat six thousand spirit sticks. Oh my god! Wow. No, the number of times they said the really bad f word <sighs> and the homophobic—it was it literally took me out of it. I could not. There was a lot of hate in this movie. It was very jarring. The language. Yes. Yeah. It very was jarring. Severe. Literally, when I was watching on Sunday, I was like, "Oh wow!" And Dan was like, "What?" And it's like every time they say it, like your reaction is so big. It's like it hurts my ears. I can't. Mm. I've evolved past that. I don't think I was ever in that area, and I was. To put it in perspective, in the year 2000, I was a sophomore in high school, so I was living the high school life, and nobody in my area was saying shit like that. So it was harsh. Fair. Yeah. All right, uh, Emily, your turn. I'm going to go ahead and give it a hyperbole sandwich. (laughs) You do it. Okay. Number one, the cast. Incredible. Good thing. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, I think, still underrated for her comedic chops. Between this and Drop Dead Gorgeous, that's all you need to see to know what a phenomenal comedic actor she is and rewatching this and seeing the choices she made. So good. Gabrielle Union, incredible. The power she has, the eyebrow raise. She's amazing. Eliza Dushku is so cool. The reason I watched this movie was her because I was, I love Buffy so much and I was like, I need to watch everything that she's ever done. It, it just, it, every cheerleader has something that sets them apart. Nicole Bilderback, Claire Kramer. It's just, they give everyone something. Okay. Great thing. The main focus, yes, there is a love interest, but I felt like the focus really was on like women and friendships and competition and fair competition and like being proud of yourself for what you've accomplished. And I liked that. And it was kind of surprising that that still held up considering that there was very problematic language. I was pleasantly surprised and relieved that the plot itself was not uh, problematic in that way. And then my final good thing is I think that the writing is really fun and unique in a way, almost like a Diablo Cody script. Jessica Bendinger has so many quotable moments and silliness, but it doesn't feel out of character. Like this movie has a language of its own, but it it still feels like they're actually high schoolers talking to each other and not like they've been given a script. I think it was just really like fun and invites you in. And I'm going to give it. 9,800 pom-poms. You can't. If it's a hyperbole sandwich, it has to be over 10,000. Oh, I can give over 10,000? Yeah. <laughs> I want to give it, ooh, I want to give it, I want to give it 13,000 pom-poms. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow it. 13,000 is good. I'm here Thank with you. That. All right. So for me, um, my first good thing is that I love watching the chairs. They're just so impressive. And like the music's fun and they're like flipping people around and people are like literally doing backflips on stage and stuff. And I just think that's super cool. And I, I just made me think maybe I should be watching cheerleading tournaments in real life because I just think they're super fun. My great thing. Ah, sorry, Bobby. Uh, is that I think. Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union did just a really great job at making potentially totally unlikable characters likable, right? Like they're just both charming and they challenge the expectations that that audience might have. And I think that's really good and probably quite hard to to achieve that. So I think they did a great job. I think it's just really good how it's essentially exactly what it sets out to be. So it's, it's a fun, simple movie with some quality dialogue and a generally positive message. And I do want to say like, Bubby, I agree with you, but um, I will be talking to that a little bit more in one of the later 
questions. So I totally see where you're coming from, but um, yeah, we can touch on that shortly. Oh, we will. Oh, we will indeed. So um, I'm going to give this movie 12,121 spirit sticks. Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. All right, so now we can get cracking into the um, rest of the questions. So, Ish, would you like to ask us question two? I would. Okay, so ladies, what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Emily. Okay, in rewatching it now, and I've I've watched it again in the years since 2000, but watching it most recently, I was like, I was so in love with Cliff when I was a teen watching this movie, so in love with him. Mm-hmm. And watching it now, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to fight him. I want to beat him up. And so it really had me thinking about, like, what you find – like, what do I find attractive? Because I watch it now and I'm like, what a tool. He's reading his think piece book at the football game. Like, oh, I'm I'm in a football game reading a book. Like, he's thinks he's so cool. His When he does his little loser cough thing, uh, when I lived in Kentucky, I don't think they were doing the loser cough. Like – Obviously, he's a good character, but I was so in love with him, and now he really grates on me. And I was like, "That's so odd. Like, what is it that that may have I changed? Have I just learned more? I don't know." It really threw me into a tailspin. You may have matured, given that this movie is twenty three years old, <laughs> and he was a teenage boy. I think if you're not finding teenage <gasps> boys attractive now, Emily, that might be a good thing. I'm just throwing it out there. They're all. He was probably. 40 when they made this movie he's i still look at him and i'm like what a hunk but yeah his character is wildly annoying <laughs> that's so funny eh? all right so mine is going back to what we were just talking about um i think this movie's well i was like this feels like it's actually quite forward thinking for a movie to have been addressing things like cultural appropriation and calling out homophobia in the 2000s because yes the homophobia is there and those the words are horrible but actually, they're usually used, not all the time, because I don't like how they do all the dyke stuff. I thought that was really uncool. That didn't like that at all. But I did like from the at least the men's side of things, the football team are just shown to be such morons and such idiots. And their criticisms and the language they use, you know, they, you're just like, why are you being such dicks? It's so unnecessary. So at least I find in that space, you know, they, they're trying to challenge it. And I, I thought, you know, that seems okay from a 2000s point but i thought the cultural appropriation part was really felt very forward thinking because i feel like most movies at that time were still just stealing black stuff and ignoring the fact that they're doing that whereas here they could have absolutely made the movie where it was trite white savior shit you know where kirsten gives the check and everything's solved and everything's happy or they could have uh they could have not thought about how they were stealing the material all and just powered on through but i thought it was really good how they had to work through the issue of how to respond and how to address the problem so i i do think there's problems but i think it's still better than it much better than it could have been so it's my philosophy okay debate. so my deep philosophical debate was should films that are geared towards teens and young people have a responsibility to discourage hate speech or at the very least not normalize it so Yes, the football players are saying the F word a lot and they're portrayed to be morons. But there's a scene when Missy and um, Torrance and Jan and Leslie are in the car driving to the first game. And she's Missy's asking about the sexuality of the guys. And J Leslie says he's controversial. And she's like, are you trying to tell me you speak F? And he's like, oh, fluently. I was like, oh, mm. that's just like the the ease with which that word is thrown out and it's supposed to be like a friendly conversation. It just really 
kind of grated against yes. my ears and my morals. It yeah. was gross. Because it wasn't a queer person reclaiming that language. That's Exactly. Yeah. That's a straight person exactly. going, look at me, I can say cool. Yeah, I, that's- I'm I'm an ally that's saying the F word and it's cool and I'm awesome and this is how people should be to be allies now. That's gross. You're absolutely right. And I think it's interesting that they were – she was definitely trying to be an ally. That scene is meant to show the audience like support. And so mm. it did also make me think about like was it really not considered – in 2000, was it really just like not – because you remember those Hillary Duff ads where she's like, don't call people gay. Like they had to do a whole PSA to be like, hey, guys, stop doing this. I was like, I would be very curious about the intent of the writer because I think – she thought she was doing something good and that doesn't excuse it. But it's like now when we look back, it's so horrible. And it's like, how do we – I don't know how to account for that. Yeah. It's a good question. Remember, we were in the age of South Park here. So I definitely used the word gay in a negative context at uni. I remember doing so and it wasn't until – and I remember, you know, we were talking to a gay friend and he was like, oh, I don't mind it. It doesn't bother me. And I was thinking, oh, well, then that must be mean it's okay. And then, you know, you read more about it and you understood the context and thought, oh, actually, no, maybe it isn't. And now I'm, you know, very against it. And But it's funny looking back and thinking, oh, well, they said it on South Park, so that's a funny word I can use. So I totally agree with you, Ashley. I think that's a really good call. Personally, the, the F word is, is one of my – it would be my second hated word. With the N words, the worst. Yeah. F words are very close behind. Yeah. The, they do the R word as well, which I really yes, have yes. a problem with. And Don't that's like the that. word that when I was in – I was in middle school, I remember people would use that word. And so that was the one I didn't really hear any gay slurs in right. middle school, but I remember that one quite a bit. And and so when they drop that one in this movie, I'm like, oh, they're really hitting all of them. Like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, it felt a little yeah, bit like trying to be – trifecta. I felt like they're trying to be like throwing them in to be racy, you know. Oh, look at us! We've got it. We're so edgy, which I just don't think it needed to be that much. Like, and I, but I think if you remade that movie today, it wouldn't have that level. I think you'd probably still have some of that homophobic language, but really show like they'd really lean hard on that, showing how the football players were idiots. By the way, and I don't have it. I don't think I have a chance to say it in any other part. But I just love that they made the football team so shit. Like they didn't have to be as shit as they were. <laughs> But I love that they did, like, and they were running in and literally stumbling into the football helmets and, like, tripping over themselves and stuff. I just thought that was hilarious. When we go back and I'm no longer have Cliff as my main man, I'm like, ooh, is Jan or Leslie hunkier? Not no? Jan. Not and I'm going to tell you why not Jan shortly. Yeah. Oh, not my Jan. God. Okay. No, oh. 100%. All right. So that's all of us, isn't it? Emily, what's question three? What characters best represent the other podcasters? So, Emily, you are Will Ferrell. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually going to be really salty at my answer now, so uh, sorry about that. Same. <laughs> Emily, you're Cliff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because you're funny, you're down to earth, you're just a little bit punk. You know, a little bit of an edge, but you I know. appreciate that. Yeah, like it, it's, I, it's a positive. I know what Cliff is meant to be. Yeah, <laughs> and you are the you are the epitome of what he's meant to be. You know, um, and thank you, Ash. You're Missy because you're sassy and you're independent and you're gorgeous and you're talented. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes, Queen. All right. I also 
said that Emily was like Cliff because she likes what she likes. She doesn't care if it makes her different from her peers, shuts down haters and idiots with clever truths and a touch of mocking. And I mm-hmm. specifically referenced the loser sneeze conversation because people are hating on him and he's like, you're stupid. Here's why. And I have evidence to back it up. But you would do it better. I Look, I will say... Like his The Clash shirt, I 100% am wearing my Tammy and the T-Rex t-shirt out. And people are like, what's that? And I'm like, you don't know about the Denise Richards 1990s VHS film Tammy and the T-Rex? So it's accurate. Maybe that's why I have a problem. I see in him. I see in him myself. Well, I also said that Liz is Missy because she's a badass nonconformist with a strong moral code, not afraid to speak out against injustices, and no problem telling people what she thinks of them. Oh, yay. This is great. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's so funny because I wrote down, I'm not going to just call you both missies because I would. I was like, I need to come up with something else. Um, and I did. Okay. So I'm going obscure-er. And I'm going to go for Liz. I went Darcy. And I actually Ooh. love Darcy. She's the one that does all the SAT words because I was like, she's smart. She's not the nerd. She's like, she probably had the best dance moves of any of them when you're looking at them close. I think she, she's been on Xena and stuff. I think she might actually have like skills, abilities. And she's just cool. And she was just like, she didn't take any shit, much like Missy, but with less middle finger. And Ashley, look, I you might not think he's attractive. I might have sent an ugly picture of him to the group chat. Or no, I sent an ugly picture of Aaron. <laughs> not okay. Aaron, not Aaron. Thank I sent an ugly picture of Les, because Les oh. always has, uh, always like brings the mood up. Like I loved him because he's always like r- down for a good time and he's so fun. And I, and I, that's the energy that I liked from him when I was very attracted to him. So no, I love Les. Liz Les is, is a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Also, Darcy has a giant ass, which I have. So. <laughs> Me too. That was so actually like, shocking when they're like, look at her. She needs to lose her ass. I was like, that's actually people like that now. It's just like a normal she was ass. Fit. Yeah. She, had a f- she was the like most athletic, I think. Yeah. I wait. Yeah. She, excellent good muscle. What was it? Muscle muscle tone, muscle tone, musculature. Musculature. Or, yeah. Or yeah. Muscle tone. Look, if I look like her, I'd be. She puts the ass in massive. <laughs> God, those were hilarious. Okay. Uh, me, my turn, me. Okay, so question four. What quote from this film would be the worst to hear immediately after having sex? Okay, I have four, but I'm going to give the most egregious one first. And then if you guys don't repeat any of mine, I'll give the rest of mine. Deal. I understand that you have underwear up your ass right now, but it beats the hell out of a shattered skull. Think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. That's so good. I I wrote down. Do you believe in curses? <laughs> That's amazing. Read the spirit stick. Nice. Um, I had. She's crazy. She'll kill us all. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. My other ones were. She puts the horror in horrifying. Do I look like a milkmaid? Because someone feels like a cow. And then the last one is also another Sparky Pulaski. He says, I want you to think about what you ate today. Now cut that in half. It's called a diet. You see, when you skip a meal, your body feeds off its fat stores. And if you skip enough, maybe your body will eat your ass. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. The um, There's way too much body shaming in this movie. <laughs> which you kind of expect out of a cheerleading movie. Like, if there was no body shaming in this movie, I would have been like, especially since it's from the 2000s, I would have been like, they're being a bit unrealistic here. 
question five. Ash. Oh, and it's a Patreon question, and it's from our lovely, wonderful friend Nick Haskins. And he is a wonderful star, and you can now check him out on Two Peas in a Pod, I believe. So do that. Yes, he is the new co host, well, new ish co host of Two Peas on a Pod with Mr. Gerald Morris, aka Rasputin, with that beard he's rocking right now. <laughs> the fuck, Gerald. Um, Nick wants to know what type of meal is this movie? Okay. I'm saying it is an ice cream sundae with like sprinkles and strawberries because it means it's fun and it's colorful, but it's got a little healthy thing. It's got a little, little treat, little good thing. That's what I'm going with. I went club sandwich because it's lighter. It's like varied, but it's comforting. Like it's a go-to. You can get it anywhere and be like, this is pretty solid. There's bacon. There's bread. You know, I'm going to enjoy this every time I have it. You're never like, don't, no, I don't want a club sandwich. You're like, great. Thank you. All right, I said this movie is a breakfast of cookie crisp cereal topped with a combo of half and half and whole milk. Maybe something you enjoyed when you were younger, but knowing what you know today, it might be difficult to stomach. <laughs> Why are you mixing milks? Because I saw, I was watching Gilmore Girls and that was what Rory had because Paris recommended it and it's in my head. <laughs> it is what it is. What is half and half? Half and like half is cream? Um, heavy cream mixed with whole milk. So it's basically like... A quarter heavy cream, three quarters whole milk. Like really rich and tastes good, but like you know that it's clogging your arteries when you're an adult and it's you know it's not good for you, even though it tastes good and it's probably not what you should be having for breakfast. Oh, Americans are psycho. Mm-hmm. I always thought half and half was like half like half of the fat, but it's actually like one and a <laughs> half of the fat. Okay, Julie, no. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you guys are psychos. All right, so <laughs> 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 it's usually used as a creamer for coffee, so that's why it's got like the the heavy yeah, cream like a splash. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. However, yeah, doing it with your cereal and a sugary cereal that like Barfarama. Mm. Question number six: What was the most moronic decision made by an otherwise smart character? Torrance dating Aaron is fucking stupid. What did she ever see in that goddamn moron? She is, I know she's a cheerleader. He was another cheerleader, but Aaron and Torrance never made sense. No. No. She didn't even seem to like no, him he, at the start. Like when he's like, goes to kiss, you know, she goes to kiss him and he's like, not in front of the parental. She's like, what a moron. And I'm like, why are you with this person? His voice was so annoying. He was like, he looked 40 years older than her. Yes. It was so weird. Yeah. Hated that guy. Like, I get that they what you wanted him to, they wanted to make it that he wasn't someone you wanted him her to be with, but I feel like they went a little too far. He's the one that's like, I got the door tour, right? Yes. Yeah. I got the door tour. Oh, my God. Ugh. I think it was Torrance's decision to try that super hard pyramid as the first thing they did. Like, I feel like it's... <laughs> Something that you should work up to. Like, why are you trying to be like, hey, everyone, this is my first day. I'm going to make you do something incredibly difficult. And I also wonder why they even bothered, because they already had the set routine they were planning to take to nationals, right? So why is she just suddenly wanting them to work on this really hard thing? It just seemed like a really stupid idea. Right, that one of them didn't know what it was. She's like, what's a wav swab? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. It was like, called. It was a wolf wall. A wolf wall? Yeah. That's how that person said wolf? Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's like Roro Jura material. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm deaf, I watch everything with closed captioning, so at least, like, uh, I know. Yeah. But sometimes there's typos, and that shit's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah, or when they just like shorten it and take away all the fun and they just make it a super boring language. Yeah. In the yeah. in the subtitles. Yeah. I think the dumbest thing done, I understand it and it worked out for her. But Isis turning down the money from Torrance's dad's company, I know it was right morally, but it's like that's the reason that these white teams are able to do well is because they don't have those qualms and they will take that money and they don't have a problem with getting like daddy to bankroll it. So I, I she should have just taken the money. I mean, look, that talk show host gave them the money they needed. But if she hadn't and they had just not gone to finals because she couldn't suck it up and take mm. the dad's money, like I just think that was dumb. Again, maybe the right choice, but a dumb choice. Yeah, I felt like that was good, though, because it kept it prevented the white savior complex issue from coming into the play. So, like, it would have kind of absolved Torrance of her guilt from the cultural appropriation, maybe. So it was I feel like it was the right call. And I understand where you're coming from, that it was maybe not the smartest move if she didn't know. Like, yeah, if they weren't in a movie, she should have taken the money. Yeah, I think it's in a, real life. Yes. A smart decision by the director. Poor decision by the character. Well, I mean, she could have at least just held on to the check and said, well, I don't think we're going to use this, but okay, kind of thing. And then just had it in her back pocket in case the Paulette thing didn't come through. Paulette, whatever. But yeah, I I totally agree. Like, I think that was a really strong point for the movie that they didn't just go down the easy white savior route because that would have been easy as hell. Yeah, they needed to also fat shame Paulette. <laughs> yes. Fact. I th- what size uniform did they send her? That's so rude. I know. I thought she'd look when super like, cute. Oh, you don't it? need to lose the weight. <laughs> you don't need to lose a pound, girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I love her face oh. with that though, which she's just like, <laughs> like raises the eyebrow, and then you see Isis just giving her like full on evil eyes, like on television. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, okay, question seven. What side character would make for the best spin-off movie? I will say 100%, it might be the easy answer, Missy. And here's the thing. I watched this movie for Eliza Dushku. I had a shirt of the scene where she rubs the tattoo. and does it, When I was like 12, I had this shirt with that image on it. So then I was like scared to wear it anywhere because I thought it was inappropriate. So I just wear it around my house and I was so proud of it. I was obsessed with Missy. But what I think is interesting is – Jessica Bendinger kind of made that movie when she made – she wrote and directed Stick It with Missy Peregrim as basically the cool gymnast who doesn't follow the rules but, like, has a heart of gold. So the spinoff was kind of made, but I would watch the Eliza Dushku version as well. That was my first answer. I was going to say Missy as, like, a gymnastics movie, but that was already made. And the character's name was Missy and everything. So I said, Isis moving on to the collegiate level of cheer with the perspective gained <gasps> from Bring It On. Yeah. And like, you know, she's going to have struggles and troubles and all that stuff, but she's learned and grown from this experience and she can confront white saviors and cultural appropriators with the correct and educated mentality. Nice. I want to see like a mockumentary backstory to Sparky Palastri, like how he ended up running a successful <laughs> cheerleading choreography scam throughout California, even though he had like zero charisma or dancing ability. I just think you could do like a whole like investigative journalism piece around that and it could be really entertaining. Well, especially because that actor, I believe he was one of the co-founders of UCB. Um, It was Ian Roberts. Yeah. 
So he's like big time improv guy. So he could absolutely do like a Christopher Guest mockumentary. Nice. That would be hilarious. Okay, well, clearly that just needs to be done, although he probably looks a little bit older now, so... He looks crazy now, I saw, I think his IMDb or something when I was... Yeah, he looks not at all the same. <laughs> Some people in this movie suffered. Yeah. <laughs> they could probably find someone similar. I thought they could be quite entertaining. Spirit fingers! They're all doing spirit fingers. That's his worst dance move. It's so bad. Like, And, okay, I've never gotten this. Please tell me if I'm insane. I never understood. He's like, these aren't spirit fingers. These are spirit fingers. Like, is that not the same thing? I think it's the are you point. not doing the, the same thing? Yeah. Is that that's he thinks he's putting heaps more insane. spirit into them and he's oh. not. But they, I mean, they're just jazz hands, right? Like, that's the concept. He's just taking jazz hands and turn them into spirit fingers. Yeah. Well, jazz hands don't wiggle their fingers, oh, do they? they? They just are spread palms. Oh. Are, are jazz hands so, more of this? I think jazz hands are more like, yeah, you shake your hand, but you don't wiggle your fingers. Okay. So, by wiggling the fingers, we make them spirity, spirited. Spir- yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of spirit fingers going on right now, uh, listeners. Yeah, and you're missing out. <laughs> Those aren't spirit fingers. These are spirit fingers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> where are we up to? All right. Question number eight. How long would you survive in this movie's world? Liz Lemon. Well, Liz, sorry. I'm <laughs> never mind. I'm watching 30 Rock also. <laughs> Yeah, Liz, how long would you survive in this movie's world? You're good. Like, I have been told by my partner that I am like Liz Lemon. So <laughs> he's like, Liz Lemon, you're basically the same. I'm like, thank you. I'm going to a Halloween party tomorrow and I'm dressing as Liz Lemon. So, yeah. Amazing. I love Liz. She is great. Uh, and so am I, except that in high school I was not. I was a huge nerd. So I am pretty sure that the cheerleaders would have literally torn me apart. But saying that, I always wanted to be a cheerleader. Like as a Kiwi team, we didn't have cheerleading or anything like that. But I always thought, you know, you watch some of the movies and they were always so cool and and clicked and, and and beautiful and the outfits were really cute. And it actually looks like quite a fun sport as opposed to actual sport, which seems really boring. So I feel like if I lived in America, I would have been really keen to be a cheerleader. But um, I was not. So I'm pretty sure I would have ended up with my head in a portaloo at some point or something. And <laughs> I mean, okay, I would survive. I would live. I would probably cry a lot. I know exactly what would happen. Here's what would happen. I would have been trying to befriend at least one of the cheerleaders. I would have gotten one cheerleader to be my friend. Okay. We would have been close friends. But then she'd be like, oh, you should come to the game. And then I'd go to the game and then she'd pretend she didn't know me. And then I would go home and cry. I just feel like that's how it would have played out for me. I would have befriended like Darcy. And then Darcy would have been like, oh. And I would be like, I thought we were friends. So like I'd live. I wouldn't fall off the wolf wall, but <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be having the best time. <laughs> Is that a lived experience? No, I just, I know, I feel like in high school, I would get like very, I would get very friend obsessed. Like I had a lot of like girl crushes where I'd be like, this is the coolest person ever. And I only want to hang out with them. Like I've never been a group hang person. I'm like a one-on-one hang person, which leaves you very open to be like mad when one person isn't giving you their whole focus. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, this is just, this is just now my therapy session, this bring it on episode. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay, so I was a cheerleader, but in middle (gasps) school, not in high school. So 20 years ago, I probably would have survived in this world. However, if it's present day, like 30 minutes, maybe. (laughs) Also, I'm sending you guys in the group chat some of my cheerleading competition photos. Um, (gasps) 
We also wore red and black, and we did like competition. Are you doing so like spirit I could fingers. What's this? It was so we were the McDougal Mustangs. So we did the M. That it looks like a gang sign, but it's <laughs> not. We were trying to. Be, it was also like 1997, 1998. So different world. Oh my god, these are like the same uniform almost. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like this yeah, is so it was similar. super similar. We didn't have the midriff exposed, but like. I was able to watch the cheer competition routines with that kind of eye and be like, oh, that's so, and like see different things. And there was little things that annoyed me that were not competition, you know, regulation, but like, I understand it's a movie. So I got over it. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Right. The girl's hair is supposed to be the same height with the same ribbon. Like they're not all supposed to have different hairstyles. Okay. I'm good. I can't tell women apart unless their hair looks different. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I have a friend that said that the competition was pretty much like it was college level moves and not high school. Is that the So the basket tosses, which is when they're throwing the women way up in the air, it's not regulation for them to do be doing flips like head over heels flips. Basically we could throw them up in the air and they could do like a toe touch or something like that. But like the flipping was extra flair added for, you know, movie movie magic, which I'm fine with because it looked fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. Love that yeah. stuff. It's probably going to come up again that I was a cheerleader later because I got shit to say. Anyhow. Well, that's it. I think actually when you talk about like you would only survive 30 minutes in this world if you went in now. No, no, no. Actually, uh, the others <laughs> would survive 30 minutes with you. <laughs> <laughs> you would still be left standing, sorry, that- but <laughs> I don't think a bunch of them would be. I cannot keep up with the physical expectations of this movie. Like... I get exhausted running up the driveway. I'm not making it in this movie. Oh, no. I mean that you'll murder them for their inappropriate behavior. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. Especially when they start dropping the F yeah. word. Like, uh, y'all are out. I'm taking you out with this silver tongue. 100%. Goodbye. You would eviscerate them, and I love it. Okay, uh, Emily, what's the next question? Question number nine. What side character had their life completely ruined by the events of this movie? So I said Les had his life ruined, not ruined, but definitely altered. The homophobic slurs and co- that were constantly hurled at him and his friends left a psychological scar that has left him jaded and insecure around most people. It's really sad. Oh, <laughs> I know. I love Les. I'm mad for him. Yeah. I totally get that. It's such a bummer. If it helps, I think Aaron had his life ruined because word got around campus that he was a cheerleader and everybody's judgmental and horrible, and he just never managed to pull again, and he died alone. What a massive ass hat, so he deserved it. <laughs> he totally deserves it. Mm-hmm. I chose that woman that Aaron was sleeping with because she's clearly 50 years old, so this was a really <laughs> low point for her. So things are not going well for her in the events of this movie. Like it was already bad. And then she found out he was a cheerleader. And she was like, right. what have I and become? And she's like, oh my God, I was sleeping with a 18 year old cheerleader. I'm 50. I need to get back to my children. Maybe that turned her life around. <laughs> my grandchildren. You know? Maybe that turned her life around. And she was like, okay, I'm hit rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I need to change things. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Question 10. What minor change would have ended this movie in like 15 minutes? Okay. If Torrance had had the team doing their first practice with mats and safety regulations like you're fucking supposed to, then Carter wouldn't, or Carver, whatever her name is, wouldn't have been injured and wouldn't have been needed to be replaced. And none of this shit would have happened because Missy wouldn't have been able to bring to attention the cultural appropriation and it would have been fine. Except that when they got to regionals and then they were just humiliated. Yeah, well. Mm. 
The movie would have ended before that. Yeah. 15 minutes. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I similarly, if the if if anyone in the cheerleading regulatory body had followed up on the years of cheating that the Toros have been doing, apparently for years they have been going yes. and copying routines and no one has looked into it or said anything. Like if anyone had been doing their job, the Toros would have been disqualified. As soon as like they started up the new season, someone would have come to campus and been like, you guys are done. That's a good answer. I went psycho and said if Torrance was actually in the pyramid instead of just shouting instructions at them and then she she fell down and she hit her head and she died, that'd be a very different movie. <laughs> <laughs> what, we just million dollar baby yeah. it? <laughs> just, we don't, I mean, it's only a slight change, you know, just a slip of the foot and boom. Ooh, there you go. Or if Carver fell on Torrance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very traumatic. <laughs> Turned into a tragedy rather than a comedy. Uh, funny. All right, Ash, take us away with your personal questions. My first personal question. What, if anything, about this movie reminded you of your actual high school experience? I had two. The first one is the guy in tri- the tryout montage that thought he was auditioning for Pippin. I was in Pippin in high school, so yay. <laughs> Random. Um, and then the second... Technically, this is middle school, but for me, it was so traumatic that I have to share it. There is at the nationals competition, there is a woman who, after a failed basket, basically we are introduced to her. She's covering her face. She had had a failed basket toss and her whole mouth and face is bleeding. For me, the night before a competition, I threw a basket toss. Another person's head hit my face. My teeth went into my lip. My my hands were covering my face. The coach asked me why I wasn't at my next stunt position, and I uncovered my face to reveal a bucket full of blood. So that shit hit home for me. Yeah, I have scars still. I didn't need stitches, but in one of the second picture, you can see like my lip is extra swollen and busted. I went and competed though. Wow, but you didn't lose a tooth. (laughs) I didn't lose a tooth. No, but the blood was for real. Yeah. Oh my God. Lips bleed, babies. <laughs> um, the one that hit home for me was uh, my uh, Torrance's parents talking to her about her academic performance. Like, yeah, my parents being disappointed in my academic performance and telling me I could do so much better if I just sat down and tried harder definitely happened. Of course, in my case, it turned out that I had undiagnosed ADHD the whole time. So it was never actually going to happen. But oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) number one, outside of the realm of the movie, the movie itself just makes me think of high school because it was a movie I watched constantly in high school. I feel like we all might have grown up in kind of a similar age of media where it's like I had like certain DVDs that I just watched over and over. I didn't have access to which is there were I had my favorite DVDs and I would watch it constantly. Just again, and Bring It On was one of those. Bring It On, like Cruel Intentions, Wet Out American Summer, like a weird mix of movies. So it just makes me think of high school. But in the movie itself – How Torrance feels around Cliff, especially at his house, like really I think is a good encapsulation of like a crush, like a high school crush when you're Mm. like, oh my god, we're in the same space. Oh my god, we're both brushing our teeth. This is crazy. (laughs) What does it mean? Oh, we both spit in the sink. Like it really – even though I'm no longer attracted to Cliff, like I think they (laughs) capture those feelings of being into – and when Missy's like – do you have the hots for my brother? Like being asked a question like, oh, do you have a crush on this person? You're like, no, of course not. I would never. Don't tell anyone. Like really <laughs> connects. 100%. All right. My next question. What quote or quotes from this movie have become a regular part of your Alexa? Like what do you say in your head or in your speech that comes from this movie all the time? So many of them. 
for me, there's one specific one that, um, yeah, I, I say a bit is, um, burr, it's cold in here. There must be some clovers in the atmosphere. I said burr, except mostly it's just the burr, it's cold in here, uh, because I'm always cold. Yes, that's the same one for me. <laughs> there you go. That's my number one. <laughs> that, that is my number one. I mean, the other ones that I love, um, this is not de- democracy. It's a cheerocracy. I even have my like my dad will say that sometimes because I feel like I made him watch it so many times. Amazing. And I also always think of uh, whenever I hear about Buffy. Can we just beat these Buffies down? Yes. I always think of like those aren't spirit or these aren't spirit fingers. These are yeah. spirit fingers. But like it doesn't yeah. apply that much life. But it's like one of the quotes that comes to mind whenever I think about this movie or cheerleading. Hmm. Yeah. All right, my final question. There are several, but what struck you as the most horrifying part of this movie? Now, here's the reason why I can't fucking get behind Jan. The worst fucking part. Jan fingering his flyer during performances, and he says, like, she doesn't wear anything under her spankies. Can I help it if my digits slip occasionally? Excuse me? I did block that out. The fuck you say? No. Yeah, 100%. That was awful. There's the homophobic slurs and all of the, like, the R words and stuff, but, like, this man physically, sexually assaulting this woman in front of however many people on the regular and bragging about it was disgusting to me. I have exactly the same. The casual nature of Jan's very public sexual assault on Courtney and no one gives a shit. It's all very casually approached and hilarious. Yes. Except it isn't. Yeah, it's so funny. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, I have that written down as well as Missy's faux kind of dreadlock hair. Yes. What's happening there? <laughs> yes. I was almost like, is that actually cultural appropriation? The 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 hair? I couldn't I couldn't tell because it's not a hairstyle I've ever seen on anyone, but there's just something about it where I'm like, what is that? What's happening there? It's very strange. But I have written down first Jan sticking his thumb up Courtney and then Missy's faux dreadlocks and then the child farting. Oh, yeah, it was gross. Oh, Angelina Jolie had the faux dreadlocks and gone in 60 seconds as well. Just that was Uh, the other one. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Not great. God, that little brother was a shithead. Ugh. He's the worst. He was disgusting. I hated that child. Same. Emily, that means we're on to your personal questions, please. So question number 14, what song would be the funniest to audition with? And of course, I mean, audition for that, the cheer squad. Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. I mean, it's the the wrong page. It's like the wrong everything for a cheerleading routine. But like Romeo and Michelle ask. And so I feel like it would be perfect. Love it. <laughs> I uh, went with one we did here at one of the competitions, actually, which was U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. I thought that cheerleading panel is not going to be thrilled if, like, the auditioner is, like, yelling that at them, right? So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> okay, <laughs> question number 15. Which team at the competitions besides the Taurus and Clovers could have had their own movie? I went with the group that was all praying together in a circle because <laughs> you could make a super wholesome cheerleading movie about them and it'd just go down amazingly in your guys' more conservative states, right? Like in your Bible Belt or whatever. That I reckon that could make a decent wicket. Decent bit of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be boring as shit and I'd hate it. <laughs> Sorry. I actually said the same team, but I read through the IMDb trivia. Apparently – 
where they filmed like the high school was actually at a Catholic high school and that was the cheerleading team for that high school. It was an all-girls school and they also cheered for the all-boys school nearby. So I felt like combining like the sexuality that seems to come along with cheerleading with the religion and then them cheering for two different schools and like the moral code, it would have been interesting. I think our movies were different. I wanted same, to- <laughs> same team, different <laughs> approaches. <laughs> I wanted to find that team that little kid came from that was fighting Courtney and Whitney when she called her a hag. And like Courtney is about to fight a child. I was like, oh, my God. So like (laughs) I wanted to see them fight. I love that. That kid was hilarious. I wondered if she was just like a sister of one of the competitors or something who wanted to dress up. No, they have like little all-star cheerleading squads that are like young AF. They start them young. So cute. And also so horrifying, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, but Courtney and Wawa Whitney could have taken her. Mm, she's pretty pretty vicious. Well, and you're not supposed to hit a child, so you kind of got to let it go. Although you're not, you shouldn't hit a child. You're like, you're not supposed, no, you're not supposed to, to hit a child. Legally, someone might get mad. <laughs> There's legal ramifications here. But if the kid's an asshole, though, like. Oh, yeah. It's know? negotiable if the kid's a dick. There's a whole show about that, right? The slap. You're not supposed to slap oh, a child. Yeah, I read the book, actually. Yeah, but you can pinch them. That's what my babysitter used to do. I had a German babysitter for acting out in public. She didn't want people to look at us, so she'd pinch us real hard, and we'd either like get it together or go back to the car. I mean, I was at the post office yesterday, and I saw a kid open hand slap another kid. They were both probably like seven, and it was so shocking that the postal worker was like <laughs> talking to the parents like, one of your kids slapped your other kid. And they're like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I have a fight club? What's happening in here? Do I need to intercede? <laughs> Question number 16. If you were dared to, would you drop the spirit stick? I'm not doing it just for a dare. If it's something that I believe will bring me bad luck, then I'm not doing it just because somebody's like, oh, I double dog dare you. Fuck you. I don't care. But if I don't care, then I'll drop it. I'm absolutely not dropping that stick. I'm not fucking with that shit, okay? I do not want to go to Hades. And, um... (laughs) (laughs) You go to Hades. Yes, and by the way, that is one of my favorite bits of the movie. Like, I laughed so hard when she did that with that voice. And I did actually think that hearing someone go say... Go to Hades in that voice would also be pretty terrible after six. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because I feel like we're all pretty level headed people, but yeah, I just wouldn't take the chance. We don't I know. Just why risk it? I wouldn't drop it. No. Just, no, 100% not. So now it is my questions. Yay. So, uh, question 17 What moment in this movie do you think best demonstrates its age? Okay, so it's moments. And it's all of the homophobic slurs are incredibly difficult to hear, especially tossed out so casually. In addition to the body shaming, it took me out of the movie a lot. Like, it was every 10 minutes there was Something, a homophobic yeah. slur or a whore or mm-hmm. a slut or fat ass. Like, it was yep. a lot. I I think that's also what really demonstrates its age because I have similar. I said the the slurs in an otherwise very lighthearted open and accepting movie it's so this wasn't a hateful movie but in the 2000s we thought that this these two messages aligned that we could have like this lighthearted fun movie and have all these slurs in it and that really it's like okay so it wasn't 
It wasn't 80s. It wasn't 90s. Like it was this weird in-between time of we're still saying these things, but we're trying to be more positive. And it was a very specific time and culture. Yeah, for sure. I think also just on a lighter note, um, I just want to mention the mixtape and the hairstyles. <gasps> the mixtape. Uh, yeah. I love a mixtape. Mix so romantic. Yeah. Although, well, I don't know if it was a mixtape, but he like made a tape of him singing, which is even cooler. But just the idea of giving your crush a tape. Yeah. When he's like, I made you a tape and thrusts it at her like, oh, Super you have cute. a boyfriend, I made you a tape. Like, I remember I would burn CDs. for Again, probably for cheerleaders, I wanted to think I was cool. I'd be like, I burned you a CD. And they're like, fuck off. No, they didn't say that to me. They probably listened to those CDs. I made good CDs. Yeah, I I would listen to your CDs. Thank you. Then, yes, now, and always. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and Torrance's hair. I just think she had just some amazing, very 2000s hairstyles. Very, like, Oh, 90s, my gosh. Especially, like, the first scene when Erin's yeah. picking her up, and she's got, like, 15 little buns all over her hair with, like, a flower clip. It's very, yeah. 100%. Uh, all right. Um, question 18. Why does it feel like Pitch Perfect is almost a remake of this movie except in college and with singing instead of cheerleading? Is that just me? Okay, I get that. I see differences between them, um, but I also see the similarities. I feel like Bring It On has the two different teams that are focused that they're focused on and that are developed in their competition. Pitch Perfect is more about the one team's competition route, but I do agree that Torrance and Becca have similar approaches approaches to shaking up their stale old routines with like different medleys and incorporating like different elements into it to kind of modernize it. So I see what you're saying, but I feel like the focus on the competition between the two teams and wanting to better each other. We don't have that in Pitch Perfect, but we do have it in Bring It On. What do you think, Emily? I thought this was a really interesting question because I actually – and I have not watched Pitch Perfect in probably a couple of years, so I don't know how I feel about it now. I loved it when I came out. I went and saw it in theaters twice. I was very into it. And I think now I'd be like, that boyfriend sucks. What a sack of crap. But I really enjoyed it and I was – when I – saw this question, I was like, oh, yeah, they're very similar because this is basically Anna Kendrick to me is the Missy. Yeah. She's like too cool for school. She's better than this. She, But then she's like, actually, I like friendship and acceptance. I don't need to be a lone wolf. And so I like that we kind of return to that really female-centric sp- not sports movie, but like competition movie. I feel like we don't have that many types of competition movies for women. So I'm not I'm not mad at it, um, but I I do, there is a big barf scene in that, and there's a barf scene in Bring It On, and I don't know why every movie has to have a barf oh, scene. Yeah. I'm really sick of it. Yeah, that was gross. I really hate it. They share that as well. Well, yeah. So I put this question because um, we reviewed Pitch Perfect a few episodes ago with um, M from Verbal Diorama, and during that, Sam was like, "Why are we reviewing this movie? We should be reviewing Bring It On." So <laughs> I just didn't let him review Bring It On. <laughs> Second, Sam. But I, it did inspire me that to, to suggest this movie. And then when I was watching it, I was really taken back to there's a whole bunch of real similarities there. So you've got, the, yeah, the edgy girl with the dark eyeliner who's coming in and suggesting that they change their old-fashioned ways. Um, you've got the cute, fun guy who believes in the main girl. Um, you've got the special song for him that she includes in the final performance. Like they both had the song and their final performance from the guy, which I thought was quite funny. You've got all the stereotypes. Like they both really lean in on really heavily onto the stereotypes. Um, yeah, the bath scene. Like, yeah, I just feel like there's quite a few 
um, similarities there. I, I feel like they must have been inspired by bringing on for a bunch of this, uh, for a bunch of Pitch Perfect. I also was in special women's ensemble chorus groups, so I did singing as well as cheerleading, so I can relate to both. I didn't, I wasn't good though, <laughs> but I was good enough to sing with the other people. Okay, I know this isn't our Pitch Perfect episode, and you've already done one, but I would be curious to know, Ashley, where you fall on is Fat Amy offensive in the same way that this movie is? I kind of was like, Oh, and she's like, I call myself that. And I was like, still don't love it. I don't love it, but it's not – it doesn't hit me as harshly as the hate speech in this movie. Okay, it's not as egregious. No, I think it's the exactly. same um, wheelhouse of reclaiming words like queer, right? Like same sort of concept, I guess. I think it's okay if Amy says it, mm. but other people saying it is a little – yeah, imagine if your friends like call me Fat Emily. You'd be like, what? But in this case, it's making these girls who would have probably said, oh, God, that's Fat Amy. Now they have to say it to her face every time, and you can see they find it really disconcerting. And you think maybe that's actually going to challenge their notions of what's appropriate. Like saying that, feeling that discomfort and thinking, oh, maybe it's actually not okay to be saying stuff like this. I just, yeah, there's a, quite a nice little, you know, lesson there for them. Question 19. Whatever happened to Jesse Bradford? Because, yeah, um, I, I had a such a crush on Jesse Bradford. I went and watched Swim Fan because of him. I loved him in Romeo and Juliet. Loved him. He did not have enough in that. And Clock Stoppers? Oh, I don't think I saw He's that in one. Romeo and Juliet? Like the Leonardo DiCaprio Claire Danes one? He is. Who the fuck is he in that? He does. He barely speaks, but he's. I think he's um, okay. Balthazar. I can't remember what his name is, but he's he's like his little side guy. He's, he's at the wedding, I think, is like his... To uh, his best man or something. I Am I going to have to rewatch that fucking movie? Just maybe little clips of it. No, I'm, I'm not going to rewatch it. <laughs> I might rewatch it. If I rewatch it, I'll send you a couple of photos of it. But um, yeah, he was very hot. Okay, good. That. Yeah. What happened to him? It's a good question because I wasn't – it made me go down a rabbit hole because I was like, he was really charming. Mm. He had this. He had swim fan. He had cocksabbers. And I was like, it felt like he was being poised to be a leading man uh, kind of like they did with like a Sam Worthington and Avatar, but I think these like goofy, fun guys, they just can't make it work. Like the guy, I forget the guy's name from Pitch Perfect, Skylar but Aston. they couldn't really do anything with him. Skylar Aston, they, he had a show, but it's like, it's hard. They're, they're that like sensitive, goofy, like into music and movies guy. It's just a harder sell. I don't know, but it's interesting because he's very talented. I mean, he's married to Tyler Lee, so it's like they're doing okay, I guess, but. Uh, I was disappointed to see he hasn't worked in probably like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so I Googled whatever happened to Jesse Bradford and it says like <laughs> a whole bunch of like BC movies that he did. And then he got married in 2020 and is expecting a baby girl or Aww. maybe he already had her. That's what I know. I know he did swim fan. I didn't watch that movie. That's all I know. I only Wait, watched I it lied. He has acted. He acted recently because I saw a picture of some like holiday movie mm. that came out in 2022. And I was like, Oh, I can't watch this. Where it's a, you know, the kind of holiday movie where it's like whatever's like a step down from Hallmark, and the faces are really photoshopped on the cover. Yeah, and you're like, Eek. yeah, it's a shame. I did like, but him. he's cute. He, he is on Instagram. I went and followed him on Instagram today because I was watching the movie, and he is saving a lot of animals. He just installed a bat house oh, on his tree. What a legend! So yeah. And I have to say, like, we, Sorry, Jesse Bradford. we haven't really talked that much about her, so I want to throw it in here, was Gabriel Union was the other one that I thought was um, really amazing casting, as we talked about before. And also, like, she definitely got a lot of traction off this movie, but I don't think you've seen, you see her around very much. 
I see her everywhere. Oh, Not necessarily in movies, but like she, I think she's married to Dwayne Wade. She is living yeah. her best life. Awesome. She still looks exactly like she didn't bring it on. She is yeah. an amazing human being, and I have nothing but respect for that woman. Oh, I think she's fantastic. She's yeah. really carved out. Yeah. I, I mean, talking about the entire cast, I will say, like, you look at nobody super blew up besides probably Kirsten Dunst, but, like, Lindsay Sloan, who played Big Red, is always popping up in, like, half-hour comedies. Is always good. She was the friend Valerie on Sabrina the Teenage yes! Witch, which is, like, the opposite role from Big Red. And can we just really quickly say, the opening song is so good when she's, like, I'm Big Red. Like, it's so good. God, she's such a bitch. And all of this cast, they just keep, like, kind of popping up. And I'm always so excited when I see someone that was in Bring It On. I'm like, oh, I love you. Like, I have such fond feelings for all of them. Yeah. It's a good cast, for sure. Uh, All right. I think that takes us down to question 20, which is also a Patreon question from Chris Yeeney, who is a total legend. So, Ash, would you like to close us out? Yes, Chris wants to know what on the nose song would you insert in this movie and where? Ooh, I didn't pay attention to the and where part. Somebody else go first. <laughs> um, I'm just going in the montage where they're training for the finals. They could have had Eye of the Tiger. You know, it's the ultimate sports training montage song. I think they needed to get that in there. Had them running up and down some steps or something. I really agonized over this, actually, because I love this soundtrack a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I really was like, oh, my God, like, what goes with it? Like, that fits the vibe. And I don't think this fits the vibe, but I think if it was made in modern day, when they lose their first competition and it's Sparky Platt, and then they have to start coming up with the new moves and they're looking at all these different – they could have done, like, a Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Yes. You know, as they, like, move on. It doesn't necessarily fit the soundtrack, but it would be, I think, what they would do if they remade the movie now. That makes sense. Okay, so I have two songs. I don't necessarily know where to put them. Maybe you gals can help me. So my first pick that would have been available when they made this was Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe you could incorporate that into a routine or maybe like a cliff moment. I don't know. And then if they were to make it more recently, Hollaback Girl would be a great cheerleading song. Nice. Yeah. I don't know where the fuck to put it. Wherever. Wherever you guys want to put it is great. Could they do a Smells Like Teen Spirit and then the spirit stick scene? <gasps> yes. Perfect. Perfect. Going to Hades with Kirk Cobain. Poor Kirk Cobain. I hope he's not in Hades. He's not in Hades. No, there's no Hades. There's, there's no Hades. Hades doesn't exist except for Greek mythology. That we don't know. So we just don't want to take the chance <laughs> that we'll end up there. Oh, hilarious. Oh, my God, we're done. That's it. <laughs> I'm just sad. Give a spirit finger celebration moment. Yay! Was there anything else that you guys wanted to say or cover off or anything from that you think we hit all the notes that we wanted to hit? I would be curious to know from both of you, in this year that we are in, I won't date us so that when people are listening to this podcast 10 years from now still, <laughs> they won't feel like it's old. In modern day, would you recommend this movie to someone? Because I still would, but I don't think – I think I have such fondness for it and can overlook some of the stuff that maybe like is – maybe you wouldn't want to overlook. Like would you tell someone, yeah, you should watch that? I would with caveats. Like I would be like, yeah, it's really yeah, funny. Just be prepared for like some language and like that's really uncomfortable. But like the message is pretty wholesome. And frankly, I still think, you know, there's a lot people could learn from this movie. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. There would be like a little asterisk for 
recommending it. I do think it's a fun time. I do think that there are some great characters that you, like I said, you want to root for that have a good moral code. But yeah, you, I wasn't prepared for it when I rewatched it because I do not remember it. And I would definitely warn somebody. Yeah. Fair. Okay, so um, that brings us to the end, as we said. Thank you so much to my beautiful, spectacular uh, co-hosts this evening, this day, this afternoon. I don't know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> losing the plot, guys. Um, so, do you guys want to do little plugs for your things? I don't have a thing right now. I'm on hiatus until I feel like it's less stress. But I do. So, I've been listening to Emily's old episodes of Tasteless, and she mentions a lot of TV shows. So, like, at some point, I want to come back and talk about Once Upon a Time with Emily Faux Show because God. I have oh, – I love that mo- that show. I, I won't derail us here, but I've somehow landed on the part of the internet where my Instagram keeps recommending me, like, photo manipulations of the evil queen and Emma making out. Interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just, that's, where, that's where I'm at online. When Instagram's not showing me videos of, like, cats dancing, right? That's, that's what it's showing me somehow. So it's time to revisit Once Upon a Time. Okay, so I rewatched it, and then season seven is season seven. Like, there's a time skip. There's a new Henry, whatever. So I am not thrilled with season seven. So I was like, I'm just going to restart it again. So I was like, I'm just going to watch the first season again. I love the first season. And then now I'm halfway through the second season because I can't stop myself. So this, now you're inspired to, re, to redo your po- restart your podcast. Get it I know, back right? That should be the first episode back. Even though the episodes are not out of order, that's an Emily episode. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So listeners, listen out for that. And other, if you can't listen to that, like until you can listen to that, Emily, what could they be listening to? I Yeah, my podcast, Tasteless, where I compare movies. I actually I did a Bring It On episode years ago. It was one of my first episodes where I said why it's better than the film Foxcatcher uh, in terms of competition and paranoia. And so I actually would be curious to listen and see if even at the time I was as struck by some of the, the things about this film as I am now. But uh, I compare movies. I compare a movie that I love to a movie that is like an Oscar winner that I think shares the same theme. So that is Tasteless Podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Tasteless is brought to you by Emily Higgins and no one else. It's my favorite. <laughs> Never had a sponsor, not made a dollar. <laughs> Look at me go. Super cute. Uh, and I would say the name is quite uh, appropriate because you do have some interesting taste, Emily. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah. Which I love. I think it's fantastic. So you do you and live the dream. From a movie reviews and 20 Q's perspective, um, I think we were recording slightly ahead of time. I think the boys are doing Robocop this weekend, so you probably already listened to that. Ugh. I have all intentions of doing Forrest Gump very soon, so you'll listen to that. Um, as you may know from previous episodes, we are looking at maybe finishing up this year, so we're trying to close out on a few of our preferred films. So there should be some real bangers coming up in the next few weeks, so definitely keep an eye out. If you want to get hold of us, if you want to suggest anything, feel free to do that. So um, you can find us on Twitter. Yes, Twitter. I refuse to call it X. Uh, on Movie yeah. Reviews In. We're on Instagram and Facebook as MRITQS. You can email us at MRITQS at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to record yourself singing cheers about us and sing it to us. That, that would be great. I'd love that. Uh, so do that. I, did you both uh, – I felt like a sleeper agent. The film started and I was like, I know all the words. Where did they yeah. come from? How many years has it been? They're all in my head. It's so bizarre, eh, how you just remember no? so much of things like that. 
But I will say, like, going back to Chris's 20th question, the on the no- the perfect on the nose song was at the end credits with the bloopers with Hey Mickey. Like, that was the perfect cheerleading song and in the perfect place with all the. I love the bloopers that come at the end of like 2000s and earlier movies. They're great. Yeah. Fun tidbit uh, Nicole Bilderback, who plays Whoa, 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 Whitney, auditioned for the film with that song. I actually, I can plug that. Sorry, Liz. I'm going back Please. to plugs. I interviewed Nicole Bilderback on my series, Strong Female Leads. So um, if you want to listen to that, we got into bringing it on uh, a bit. That is very cool. She's great. I love that you called her Whoa, 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 Whitney. <laughs> whoa, 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 Whitney. <laughs> Amazing. And isn't it K-K-K-Courtney? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> T-T-T-Torrance. Uh, my name is Carver. <laughs> and you're like, oh, Carver's set up to fail. And I'm <laughs> big red. Except I'm big brown, I suppose, which really does not have the same <laughs> red. call yourself big brown. <laughs> No. Why would he be brown too? <laughs> oh, oh no. That's my side out. Yep. That's all from Big Brown tonight. <laughs> oh, fuck me. That's terrible. Oh, hilarious. All right. Um, thank you very much, ladies. You have been spectacular and wonderful as always. And I hope you had a good time. <laughs> Big Brown. Okay. I did. That's all right. That's okay. You're going to pump our gas someday. That to me was so wildly rude and uncalled for. I think that's excellent. (laughs) This is not (laughs) A-W-E-S-O-M-E. That actually took me a second. I had to spell that out. I'm really not smart this morning. (laughs) What the fuck? What are you doing? Sorry, I'm being. I'm under. There's a prominent oh, butthole. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not the butthole cat. Ten thousand dollar prominent butthole. <laughs> <laughs>